Coming up next, the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 20-51. I never want to feel like we are giving information that people used out there to go and cut up one another. So this is meant for us to be kind and gentle and compassionate. And the truth must always be shared in love. Uncompromising, but with love and compassion. Hello there once again. This is Avi Ben Mordechai. And this is Real Israel Talk Radio. Today on our podcast, I thought it might be nice to be able to uh, talk with uh, my wife Suzanne over the idea of the celebration of Christmas and what led her a number of years ago to exchange the Christmas tree of their family for a menorah of the Bible. Hi, Avi. Thank you. And hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I know you have a few thoughts you want to say, so let's open up uh, with um, some of your uh, introductory thoughts as to what you're going to be talking about today and why. Well, um, as Avi, as you mentioned, this is partly my reasons for personally exchanging my Christmas tree for a menorah. Um, What's really on my heart here is to say right from the start is I did Christmas for many, many, many years, initially with my parents in our home growing up and then in our family after I got married and had children. And I have wonderful memories of Christmas, of family events, and really very precious times. So I want to firstly say that I'm hoping that we will be able to share this information with love and kindness. I never Mm. want to feel like we are giving information that people use out there to go and cut up one another. So this is meant for us to be kind and gentle and compassionate. And the truth must always be shared in love, Mm -hmm. uncompromising, but with love and compassion. Mm -hmm. And this is the truth as I've come to understand it. Someone else might have a different view on it. And as long as we can remain open and discuss these things in kindness and civility, I think we can go a long way towards growing our journeys. So that's what's important to me today is just start off mentioning that. And most of my family still observe Christmas. It's been hard for them that I left it behind. And I can understand that. I know they don't understand my perspective necessarily, but I understand theirs. I used to be on that side of this debate. Mm -hmm. So um, we've come a long way in our family towards all respecting one another's choice and i think that's always very important to do well said so with that being said what we are going to share today is not about becoming jewish it's not about converting to judaism in fact it's a whole lot bigger than that okay Suzanne's thoughts today are about coming into line with the teachings of Scripture from Moses to Yeshua, and uh, that is the context of our study on Christmas. And we're going to talk a bit about what is truth and what is tradition, and then go into some interesting thoughts on calendars, and the different calendars in the world do a brief overview on that. 
Then we're going to hone in on the traditional Christmas calendar and see how that compares to what I understand to be the biblical calendar. We'll look into two different theories as well on how the date 25 December was chosen for Christmas. So there's interesting, there's two different theories on that. And um, from there, we'll have a brief look at the tradition of the Christmas tree and have some biblical comments on traditions and how I understand them. Then we'll look at the menorah and how that could be an alternative to a Christmas tree. So that gives a brief overview of what this podcast would be about. So I hope you decide to hang in there till the end. Excellent. So let's start off with John 7, 14 through 16. Now, about the middle of the feast, Yeshua went up into the temple and taught, and the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? Yeshua answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. Now I'll turn to Acts 4, verse 13. Now when they, referring to the Sanhedrin leaders and the rulers of the Jewish nation, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, due to the fact that they were not in the local Jerusalem yeshiva, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Yeshua. Firstly, I'm very relieved about this passage, Acts 4, verse 13, because I feel like I'm educated and untrained, so what gives Mm. me Mm. any authority to sit here and share my journey with you? Mm. I am uneducated and untrained. But if it's enough to have been with Yeshua, then I suppose I have something to say. My story, I'm not going to go into much detail about this, because if you want to hear more about it, why I exchanged my salami for pastrami Mm -hmm. has a bit more about my personal story, so I don't want to repeat that. And basically, I just started as a traditional Christian, and through a whole series of events came to realize that Torah is not quite as done away as I had thought before. I think what I would like to add is the one statement that you have made many times that I've heard you say, Mm -hmm. um, how do I thank you, God? How do I thank you, Yehovah, when I don't even know you? That just always seems to really hit home to me. And if you want to share briefly about that, I think that might uh, help uh, some of our listeners really, uh, you know, just understand kind of where your heart is in this matter. Yeah, I came to my spiritual journey to a point where I suppose I felt so blessed with my life and I realized that I didn't deserve any of that. And I wanted to thank God because I realized that it had been from His hand without me deserving it. And I realized I didn't know how to thank him. I didn't know him well enough to know what he likes. If I want to buy someone that I know a gift, I know how to thank them for something because I know what their preferences are. And I realized I don't know this God that I proclaim to serve. And I asked him, please help me to know you better so that I know how you want to be thanked and how I love you back. Today, I'm thinking it was 
it was pretty clear Yeshua said if you love me obey my commandments from but from the framework and the perspective I came back then I could never have understood that for what the, in the way I understand it now so that was the heart of the journey is getting to a point where I could love him back the way he wanted to be loved and one of the breakthroughs for me I had a red letter Bible and then it would start in Matthew with the words that Yeshua spoke or Jesus spoke while walking on this earth the words his words that were written down and I don't know, at some point I just realized, if you read in John chapter 1, mm-hmm. in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then I realized that the red letters in the Bible, if, if I had to color them in red today, I would start with Genesis 1. And that changed my whole perspective of what in the Bible is relevant still to me. Because I would only think the red letters from the New Testament were relevant to me. But now my perspective is Yeshua's words. It's just the pre-incarnate Yeshua, the word before he became flesh. Mm-hmm, His mm-hmm. red letters should be colored in right from the beginning, hmm. Genesis 1. Hmm. And that makes a whole bigger portion of the Bible relevant to me instead hmm. of just the short little bit at the back. Mm-hmm. So that's the motivation for how my journey started to change. And as I said in the beginning, um, I have beautiful memories of Christmas. And I hope all of you can feel relaxed enough to sit back and listen. For those of you that are still observing Christmas, please don't feel judged or threatened by this conversation. I hope you can open your heart and objectively listen to this information and then decide for yourself. Go and pray about it and decide if it's something that you think you need to make some changes in your life but i'm not here to judge you or to criticize i've been there before so please join this information and be open to to consider your journey Mm. and see if there's maybe ways that you can love our heavenly father differently Mm -hmm. so let's start with the story of cain and abel are we in genesis 4 Mm -hmm. um we can read there abel brought an offering according to god's way while cain wanted to try his way Abel's offering was accepted by God, but to Cain he said the following, If you do good, won't you be accepted? Sin is crouching at your door, but you must rule over it. Mm, So sin is crouching at your door, but you must rule over it or him, referring to sin. Okay, so continue. Yeah, so clearly we see there's two different ways here God wanted it done his way not Cain's way with hindsight of the gospel message we can now see why it was important that God wanted the acceptable or desired sacrifice he wants our ways to be a living teaching of his plan of salvation and he has a blueprint of how he wants us to share that with the world If we change the blueprint or the DNA of his message, we're giving a different message. And he doesn't want that messed with. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see in Deuteronomy 4, we're going to read a few scriptures just to back up that statement. Deuteronomy Mm -hmm. 4 verse 2, You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from him or it, that you may keep the commandments of Jehovah your Elohim, which I command you. And uh, in Deuteronomy 12.32, in the English text, Whatever I command you, 
Be careful to observe him or it. You shall not add to him nor take away from him. Keep it intact, in other words. Yes, and let's add Deuteronomy 13, verse 1. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods which you have not known. Let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For Jehovah your God is testing you to know whether you love Jehovah your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after Jehovah your Elohim and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. And in Proverbs 30 verse 6, uh, we have another interesting passage linked to uh, what you just read there. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you, and you be found a liar. Serious words. We can even continue with the New Testament, Matthew 5, verse 17 and 18, because that theme is through the Bible all the way to the end. Mm -hmm. Yeshua speaking here. Do not think that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle will pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So we can see the the same thread Mm. is all through the Bible until the last Mm -hmm. last book of the Bible, yeah. So in Revelation 22.19, if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy... God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. And uh, this book, as it's defined, is the revelation of Yeshua, the Messiah. It contains words spoken by the voice of God, or the word, or in Greek, the logos, in Aramaic, the memora. In Hebrew, the Devar, and again in English, the Word. So, all of those things, therefore, are important to our story today, and uh, everything has to be treated with the same rules and awe as the Word of God was spoken at Mount Sinai. So, everything from the beginning clear to the end. It's all giving us the same thread of truth. Don't add to the word. Don't take away from it. Just take it as it's been passed down, and he'll see to it that whatever was passed down has integrity in it. Absolutely. So, at some point in our lives, we will all find ourselves in our spiritual journey in this uh, bit of a precarious position, I would say of having to look at our own journey and to evaluate how much of what I'm doing is according to truth and how much is according to scripture and then um, make a choice. Is it going to be truth or tradition? Which one is more important? And Mm -hmm. 
It's easy to say, but honestly, it's a lot harder to do. There are such huge implications when we start messing with traditions, and I don't mean the traditions that are according to the Bible. Uh, it's those traditions that are violating the commandments of God. Those are the traditions we're talking about. The tradition, as it is more about elevating traditions above the Word of God. Yeah, if we can read Mark 7, uh, verse 1 through 8, mm-hmm. Yeshua said it best. The Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Yeshua, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? They eat bread with unwashed hands. Mm-hmm. He answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. He said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your tradition, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. He just hit the nail on the head, didn't he? There's a lot of things going on in the Jewish law about this whole thing, but just really on the surface at first blush, the idea here is do not let traditions overrule what is written in Scripture. If you're going to do a tradition, don't elevate it so that it replaces what has been written Uh, If you're augmenting things just as a matter of cultural tradition, look, you know, you have to make some decisions on which traditions you're going to uh, allow and which traditions you're going to jettison and say, we're not going to do that. The spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. I mean, I'm firmly a believer in that. Yes, so am I. So I can share the conclusion I came to, but each of you have to come to your own. All right, so let's examine our passed down tradition of Christmas and let's see if we can test it to see if it violates the principle that Yeshua said here, mm-hmm. as written down in Mark 7. I have a thought here that I would like to add when we get into the idea of uh, post Christmas, the world is then moving forward into looking forward to celebrating a new year. Now, that tradition, New Mm -hmm. Year's Eve, New Year's Day, that's not even in the Bible. That has nothing to do with Scripture uh, because the new year, in the biblical sense, is not until you get to the Passover season. That's truly the new year of celebration. We have to say to ourselves, hmm, Should we be doing New Year's as well? It's Christmas to New Year's, that whole period of time every year where there's a lot of gift-giving and revelry and joy and festiveness in the season and all that stuff. It's all part of this time of the year. So uh, these are the traditions that... uh, are very important for many people in the world. I just want to quickly mention, throughout all cultures and ages, right, most people groups have had their own calendars. Ancient Egyptians had, the Mm -hmm. Chinese had and still have, Mm -hmm. the Aztecs, the Mayans, the Japanese. These calendars not only kept track of time, but they also set dates for religious events, honoring each their specific deities. Mm. So that's important to remember, is Mm. part of the calendar 
intrinsically embedded in the calendar was feast days and keeping track of them and the honoring of their deities. I am talking with Suzanne, my beloved wife, as we're discussing some material that, um, would you say, sometimes it's, it's really hard. The package of Christmas and New Year's, that whole package comes with a lot of emotional or emotive things, right? Especially when you have family and you have traditions and celebrations. You had a mom or a dad or family and kids and people were alive. So maybe you can close this first half hour off with just some of your thoughts again as to how you started at the beginning that sometimes this is very, very hard for people and it's not that we're judging anyone. We don't do Christmas or New Year's, but you have to come to that yourself through your Bible study and see, hmm, is this something that you should be doing? Only you can decide that, you know. So again, just reiterate your understanding and compassion for those that are still doing these festivals for the sake of trying to keep family unity intact. All right, so those of you that are listening, hang in there. Um, If you decide to listen all the way to the end, good on you. And I suppose it could take a whole program to talk about once someone decides to change and move to a different kind of calendar, how to do that without necessarily breaking with your family. And I don't have the answers, all of the answers to that, but I do think it is possible. (laughs) So it'll be interesting to, I think that's one of those things that people just have to work it out with love and wisdom and really prayerfully work that one out. So uh, we're going to now talk about the calendar and its types. And I'll turn that over to you, Suzanne, since you're the one that's done so much of the research on that, okay? As far as I could find in my research, it seems there are four basic types of calendars. And as I said, throughout all the cultures, people groups have had their unique calendars and their feast days and honoring their specific deities. Um, From the four basic types of calendars, the first one that I want to mention is a seasonal calendar. That's something that, especially coming to Australia, I've never really been aware of that before. But the Aboriginal people here in Australia, they follow a seasonal calendar. Mm. Um, For example, they have between four and 13 seasons in a year. Hmm. And they base their seasons on plant, water and animal cycles and how they respond to one another. Hmm. So their calendar is based on what they see happening in nature, plant and animal life. So that's a seasonal calendar. Mm -hmm. Then um, calendar type number two would be a lunar calendar. An example of that is the Islamic calendar. So their whole calendar is based on the moon. Mm -hmm. And then another option is a solar calendar where it's purely based on the sun. The ancient Egyptians had the solar calendar, the Romans and our current Gregorian calendar is Mm -hmm. a solar calendar. Mm -hmm. Um, And then option four is sun and moon, so a lunar solar. So it's based on the movement of the sun and the moon, Mm -hmm. and examples of those would be Chinese, the Incas, and as I understand it, the biblical 
or Hebraic calendar. Mm-hmm. And I will give you a reason why I'll as I understand it from Genesis 1.14. So these calendars were all based on the sun, the moon, some of them even the stars, or their effect on nature. So too with the Hebrew people of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And let's see what God says about the purpose of these heavenly lights, Mm -hmm. the sun, the moon, and the stars, right? Right. Genesis 1 verse 14. Okay, so we'll come back after the break. Stay with us. I am Avi ben Mordechai. I'm Suzanne. And we'll be back after the break on Real Israel Talk Radio. This is Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. We're here to explore and discover insights into the ancient biblical, Jewish, and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. If you wish to stay up to date with coming home news and information, simply register your email address with us on our website, cominghome.co.il. Send us an email address to questions at cominghome.co.il. We will return for the second half of the program after this short break. You are listening to Avi Ben Mordechai and the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 20-51. Welcome back to the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. Once again, here's your host, Avi Ben Mordechai. Okay, welcome back to Real Israel Talk Radio. I am Avi Ben Mordechai. I'm Suzanne. And we're discussing the teachings, the traditions that we uh, embrace so often. We're going to now talk about the calendar and its types, and I'll turn that over to you, Suzanne, since you're the one that's done so much of the research on that, okay? As far as I could find in my research, it seems there are four basic types of calendars. And as I said, through all, throughout all the cultures and ages, People groups have had their unique calendars and their feast days and honoring their specific deities. So these calendars were all based on the sun, the moon, some of them even the stars or their effect on nature. So too with the Hebrew people of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And let's see what God says about the purpose of these heavenly lights, Mm -hmm. the sun, the moon and the stars, right? right? Genesis 1 verse 14, then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. So we want to take a look at signs, seasons, days and years. Yeah, so days and years, it's to calculate time. Mm -hmm. When the beginning of the day, when's the end of the day, when's Mm -hmm. the beginning, end of the year. So we have to have a reckoning of time. Mm -hmm. So days and years. um, The words that I want to go into a bit more is actually signs and seasons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the word in Hebrew for sign is ot. And signs are otot, visible markings or points. Mm -hmm. Um. I want to give a few examples here of where the word oat that we read in English as sign Mm -hmm. is in the Bible. The sign of Cain, whatever that was, that was the word oat. The sign of circumcision that God gave to Abraham. The plagues of the Exodus, those are also called Mm otot. 
mm-hmm. the Passover lamb's blood on the doorpost. So that is a sign, Ot. Mm-hmm. So what we see from this, a sign is something that's being made known by being made visible in some way. Now, it is interesting that in Hebrew, the spelling of Ot or a sign is Aleph Tav, which we will learn about later in dealing with the uh, direct object pointer and also uh, an image of the name of the Messiah has revelation in the Brihadashah, the New Testament talks about that it's the Aleph Tav. I am the Alpha and Omega or the Aleph Tav. That is the word for a sign. And even the letters in the Hebrew alphabet, they are called Otiot. Otiot signs, yeah. So that is, to me, very deep and beautiful because the word became flesh and the word he is the Aleph and the Tav, the beginning and the end and everything in between. So Mm -hmm. the word Mm -hmm. itself is a sign and the letters are called signs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if God says the sun, the moon and the stars are signs, it means he uses it as a mark in the sky of something he wants to make known. So signs in the heavens, right? Mm. Um, We know blood moons, eclipses are signs in the heavens. The star of Bethlehem was a sign Mm -hmm. uh, for the birth of the Messiah. And we read in Psalms that we look at the stars and we can see his glory. So his salvation is ultimately his glory. Mm -hmm. So there we have days and years are for for counting time, reckoning time. Signs are something that is being made visible, that he wants to make visible to us. Mm -hmm. And then an interesting word, seasons. So when I used to read my Bible and see the word season, I would think summer, winter, spring, fall, right? That's the connection I had with the word season. But since coming to this Hebraic understanding of things, the word that's translated as seasons comes from the Hebrew moedim. And it's actually from uh, the Hebrew root, Ya'ad, Ya'ad, which really carries the idea of meeting at a fixed time by an appointment, an engagement, maybe a, a summon to a trial. It's a very specific fixed appointment time. Right, so the Moedim are what we read in English as seasons, plural, is mm-hmm. in Hebrew Moedim. So if you go on a date with your spouse, that fixed appointment or you have a business meeting, that is Ya'ad. So there are very deep messianic themes here since we know his first appointed time on earth was to buy a bride and enter into an engagement when Yeshua came to earth the first time, right? And the second appointed time on earth will be for judgment. So there's also an appointed time a moed connected to that event. Hmm. Included in these appointed times are the events on the biblical sacred calendar. Hmm. Most of us are first introduced to these moedim as Jewish feasts, right? This is what the Jews do. Mm-hmm. But I want to show you from scripture what God says about them and that they are his appointed times. The moedim, or as we would say, the feasts, are his appointed times. If you go to Leviticus 23 verse 2, and I hope most of you have your Bibles with you, so please turn there, pause the podcast, go there and read it for yourselves. If I could add something here briefly, uh, Jehovah is speaking through the prophet, and he says to the people, 
I hate your festivals, your Moedim, your new moons, your Sabbaths. And he goes on with this uh, uh, diatribe, like, I hate your stuff. And, you know, people look at that and say, well, wait a minute. If he gave the Moedim, then why does he hate them? And the key in that verse of Isaiah is where he says, it's your new moons, your festivals, your stuff. In other words, they changed all of the the depth of meaning and what they were doing with these festivals and turned them into something else by their traditions. And uh, that's where they went wrong because Scripture calls the festivals and feasts, the Moedim, he calls them my feasts, my festivals, not yours. I'm giving them mm. to you to do. But hands off, don't make them yours and go and change them and do with them what you like, because he's saying these are mine. Yeah. And remember Jeroboam, Jeroboam, what did he yeah. do in First Kings chapter 12? It says he turned the festival of the seventh month on the 15th day. He made it the festival of the 15th day of the eighth month. He turned it completely, added a whole new month to it. So these are things that Jehovah is saying, stop doing those things. Stop messing with my word. We can even add the golden calf event, right? Mm-hmm. Aaron took gold from the people, melted it, and out came a calf, right? Whatever mm-hmm. that means. Yep. And yep. then they said, we are proclaiming this a feast to Yehovah. Mm. Where just shortly before, they, he said, do not do that. Mm. And yes, they immediately jumped in, did what they weren't supposed to, but proclaimed it a feast unto Yehovah. Precisely, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Leviticus 23 verse 2, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feasts of Yehovah, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. So there he says it very clearly. And the word here, which we read as holy convocations, that word convocation comes from the Hebrew mikra, and that means a called out meeting or an assembly or a convocation or a rehearsal. It's from the root kara to call out. So we're proclaiming kara. We're proclaiming, calling out through our actions. We're calling out or proclaiming this assembly and this rehearsal. And we'll see later in Colossians a rehearsal of what we're talking about here. So these are called out meetings on his calendar. Mm -hmm. And rehearsals, I mean, what is a rehearsal, right? It's a practice through repetition to prepare for an event, Mm -hmm. like rehearsal before a wedding. You get it right on the big day because you've rehearsed before. Mm. And so too the biblical rehearsals, to get it right on the big day, which is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Mm -hmm. So Leviticus 23 spells out Sabbath, Passover, Unleavened Bread, Feast of First Cutting, Feast of Weeks, which we also know as Pentecost or in Hebrew Shavuot, Feast mm-hmm. of Weeks, mm-hmm. the Day of Trumpets or Day of Blowing, some people might know it, Yom Teruah, mm-hmm. then the Day of Atonements, Yom Kippur, or Yom Kippurim, mm-hmm. Feast of Booths, then is the last one, or Feast of Tabernacles, uh, Sukkot, depending how you've come to know about them. Mm-hmm. So in Leviticus 23, we clearly have God pointing out to us his called out rehearsals. 
and he wants them proclaimed as a set-apart mikra, right? Mm -hmm. And through observing these called-out rehearsals, we meet with him, we meet with our fellow believers as a community, as the congregation called out of Egypt, right? Mm -hmm. Which in the New Testament is translated church, Mm -hmm. but it's those that are called out of Egypt by the blood of the Lamb. Those are the ones that gather together for these rehearsals. Mm. And we also proclaim through this God's appointed times with mankind. And in these appointed times, He reveals His plan or His blueprint of salvation that has been offered to everyone. Israel has been called to proclaim it, not to keep it to themselves, but to proclaim it so that others would also know about it and come towards this proclaimed message. Colossians 2, verse 15 to 17. Okay, so uh, in light of what you're saying, that Jehovah is revealing His plan, a blueprint. The building plan, the DNA, the mm. genetic code. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, whatever word you feel is part of the structure of something, but yeah, the blueprint. And these are important, uh, these uh, uh, DNA blueprints, if you want to call it that. This is all about this salvation message that is in Scripture that's offered to man or mankind. So let's take a look at Colossians 2, 15 through 17. And this is written by Paul, who says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in him. So let no one judge you in food or drink, or in regard to a festival or a new moon, or Sabbaths, which are all a shadow of things to come. But the substance is of Messiah. I know you would love to comment on this, because we've spent many hours discussing this whole idea of reality versus metaphor. Yeah, absolutely. And as we were saying, there's the blueprint. If you look at the building plans of a house... There is a plan and there is the house. There are two distinctly different things. You can live in a house, but you can't live in the architectural plans, right? So here we read, these things are a shadow of things to come, of which the substance is Messiah. But if we mess with the architectural plans and cut and paste and change them, the building will be different in the end, right? So if we mess with the blueprint that he gave for us, we are inevitably going to build a different building or proclaim a different Messiah. Mm. The substance that we end up pointing to is a different one than that he intended. Mm. And how do you know if the building was according to spec? You compare it to the blueprints. But once that blueprint has been messed with, you don't have anything to compare with to see if this building was according to the specifications. Mm -hmm. So having a blueprint that's uncompromised makes it possible for us to match any prospective Messiah to this blueprint to test his authenticity. Mm. Um, So in the end times we read that many will be deceived. So, whatever Messiah in the end is going to show himself, we're going to have to measure and test him according to the blueprint to see if he is the substance of what those are pointing to. And if you don't have the right blueprint, 
you stand the chance of missing the correct and falling into deception and having a wrong messiah. Well, so this is serious stuff. Okay, you have a wedding that you have to attend to and you know you're getting married and uh, you have it on your calendar, you know the date. But then you end up missing your wedding date. God forbid you miss it. If you show up at the wrong time, you're late. Yeah. 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 If you show up at the wrong time, <laughs> your um, fiance is going to let you know about that one. I'm <laughs> I would. I would. Th- I would think so. Yeah. yeah. You're going to not live that one down. <laughs> yeah. So you better get it right. Yeah. So Colossians two fifteen through seventeen is essentially it's breaking up two entirely different trees in the Garden of Eden. So the first tree that Paul is referring to is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which we're going to get to uh, on the next program. That's having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in him. That's in the Messiah. But this is about uh, this is about disarming the authority and the power and the teaching of that tree that is called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Yetzadato Vera. And then what Paul does is he compares it and brings it into the other tree that was in the garden, which is called the Yetzahim, the tree of life. So he says, so, or therefore, or as a result of, there's a conjunctive going on there. Let no one judge you in food or in drink or in regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. Why? Because those are shadows of the tree of life. But the substance is Messiah. It's not that the tree so much is what we're looking at. Is it what the tree represents? The Aleph Tav, the Messiah. So we have the two different trees. And as you said, Suzanne, it is the aspect of a reality versus metaphor. So why are we keeping Sabbath? Why do we keep the festivals? Why do we eat kosher? Why do we do these things that we do? Why are we leaving behind so many of these festivals and, uh, you know, making it rather difficult on so much of our family when they're used to doing Christmas and New Year's and this time of the year, every year, and we come along and say, we're not going to do that anymore. So that's a problem. And it's like, wait a minute. You know, how do you, how do you get how do you get around this? You you have to explain it to them. And it's because scripture says in the Torah, we're practicing, we're practicing all these shadows and images of things that are truly revealed in the substance of Messiah the Word. That's what that blueprint is all about. Absolutely. We learn more about him. His plan of redemption, we get together with other like-minded believers, and through doing that, we rehearse, but also proclaim for others to know. 
And through observing these called out rehearsals, we meet with God, we meet with one another in truth, we proclaim his appointed times with mm. mankind. And in these, he reveals his blueprint of salvation mm. for everyone to see. If we all stop doing these things, then who's going to proclaim? How do we proclaim the true blueprint mm. that mm. others have to measure if they have the correct Messiah, the, re mm. the correct mm -hmm. substance that goes with this? So. I believe it's very important. Okay, so we are nearing the end of our first hour of our program on Real Israel Talk Radio in regards to the Christmas, New Year's week, the celebrations that go on at this time of the year every year. Why don't you give us a little bit of a preview of what's coming up for the next program, and then we'll, uh, we'll wait for the next program to come up. Yes, absolutely. So we've looked at the four basic types of calendars and all the different cultures over the years that have adhered to one of these different four types. And looking at the biblical Hebrew calendar with the signs in the heavens that Jehovah gave for us so that we can have these appointed times. So out of all these cultures, if they had on their calendars feasts honoring their different deities, it's important which deity are you honoring. So next time we're going to look a bit more and hone in on specifically the Western Christian tradition mm -hmm. and their liturgical calendar. And then we're going to compare to the blueprint and see, right, have they gone off track? Are they still according to the blueprint that he gave? And how does it compare? So we're going to look at at that. It'll be the rites of the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. Lutheran, Anglican, and other Protestant calendars as well, since they all come from the same cycle, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we'll look at the liturgical calendar for Christianity, and then we will go into more about the detail of Christmas, the origins, the different theories on why that date was chosen, mm -hmm. and then look at some of those traditions. Yeah, uh, and the Christmas tree, of course. <laughs> well, and we'll talk about Father Christmas in the big red suit with the white beard, huh? Yeah. Avi, if I just can finish with a story that, to me, is so important to end with, because so many of us, in considering making this change, we can end up being unloving or critical. So how do we view other people that are still doing Christmas and Easter? How does God view them? How did he view me when I was still doing it? And I feel God showed me through something that happened years ago between myself and my mother-in-law. So when my late husband and I were recently married, I didn't know my mother-in-law very well quite yet, right? So now I buy a gift for someone I don't really know that well. So I bought her a salad bowl, and the best I could do was buy one that I thought looked nice. And she opened her gift, thanked me, and seemed very happy with it, and we moved on, right? Years later, interesting enough, in my sister-in-law's cupboard in her kitchen, I opened the door one day, we were having dinner there, and I was going to make a salad, and I opened the door to get a salad bowl from her cupboard, and guess what? Here in her cupboard was the salad bowl I had given to my mother-in-law many years ago, and God used that as an example to teach me what happened there, is I didn't know my mother-in-law well enough to know what gift would be pleasing to her, how do I love her? So I loved her according to what's good in my own eyes. I gave her a salad bowl the way I liked it. But later, as I knew her better, I realized that's not what she likes. So now that I know her, 
If I still buy her a salad bowl that I like, instead of buying her something that I know she likes, irrespective of if I like it, then there's a whole different heart in the situation, right? So when she initially received my salad bowl, she received my heart, with which I gave it, and my ignorance, but she threw out the salad bowl. She gave it to my sister-in-law. But now that I know her, why would I still insist on giving her something I like instead of giving her something that she likes? If I truly love her, I should know her better over the years and then change what her likes and her preferences are. And that's how I would love her better years later. So I believe when I was doing Christmas without knowing the way God liked me to love him back, he received my heart but he threw out my Christmas he threw out the way I did it but he received my heart but now years later I know him better I know his word better and his instructions of how he wants me to love him back now that I know this I have an obligation to love him the way he wants to be loved if after this knowledge I still insist on doing it my way then it's not merely ignorance that's the problem, then it becomes rebellion and pride that's the problem. And those are two totally different things. So when we deal with other people that don't have this knowledge yet, even if they have it intellectually, they don't have an understanding of this in a spiritual sense, I don't believe God's going to just throw out everything they do. He will receive their heart throw out their way of worshipping him until in relationship if their walk with him is truly based on love then in time and through the gift of the spirit guiding us in all truth he will show them a better way that's what i truly believe and it's in that kind of compassion god loved us first while we had nothing to offer him other than our filthy rags and that is how we love people in this time and the spirit that i believe we should be treating them now we know better and we can walk in light of truth and through our lives shine his light of truth in the darkness around us in this world. I believe that to be at the heart of who God is. And may you too, like me, consider exchanging your Christmas tree for a menorah. I'm Avi Ben Mordechai again with Suzanne, cominghome.co.il. This is Real Israel Talk Radio.